0: welcome to grading the game this is our show where we talk about what happened against our previous opponent and give them a grade that's uh, pretty self-explanatory last week we looked ahead a bit more because after the wyoming game and when we actually recorded it was just kind of important to start looking past that this week however we'll dive a bit a lot more in detail into what actually happened against the oregon ducks uh, how did the coaches perform how did the players perform and we'll give us, as a Per usual, we will give some insight into how to improve those grades. We're going to start with the defense. The offense has been sucking up a lot of the oxygen of the discussion this year. But I want to talk about the defense. They went up against an elite Oregon offense led by potential Heisman candidate Bo Nix. We're going to start working our way towards the defensive lines. And we'll start in the secondary with our grades this week. And I'll go to Jack for this one first. Jack, they are up against a pretty challenging passing attack in general, against a very good quarterback with good receivers. How did you think the secondary did? What grade would you assign them?
1: I think they did really well. Um, I think, just personally, the defense as a unit played good enough to win, and that's really all you can ask for. I'd give the DBs a, a B plus, uh, minus one or two guys, I think that they had a pretty solid game overall. I know Braylon Lux kind of had a rough game, and there was a boneheaded penalty from a six-year corner uh, that should not have been made that was a big difference maker. There's also an interception that was an interception that wasn't ruled an interception by a a different six-year corner. So I think overall it kind of evens out. And I know, and you, we're at the point now where big games from big time playmakers are kind of expected almost. So when you see that uh, Rabbit led the team in tackle or, or tied for the team in tackles, but led in solo tackles, uh, it's a it's a good thing. And you know that he's played pretty well so far. And I think that the the DBs played a lot better than they did in the first game, especially against a team that likes to, you know, stretch the field quite often. So I, they got burned twice, kind of early, one big one uh, early. And I think that after that, they kind of settled down and got down to business. And you saw that. Because after after really the second score of the game for them when they made it fifteen to seven, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe they had another passing touchdown. So, um, I think that they settled into their game and they they executed their game plan pretty much to a T, which is very good to see and it's a really good game for those guys for sure. So I'd give, you know, I'm in between a B plus and an A minus. I think, I think that they played really well and definitely, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they, they held up their end of the bargain.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the secondary was tested last Saturday more so than they will be for a lot this year. That that is just realities that that Oregon offense is probably the first or second best offense they play. And that was the best passing attack. If Bo Nix continues to play like he has been these first couple of weeks and towards and last season um, heading into this year, Oregon is going to throw for a lot of yards. The offensive line for the Ducks was not necessarily great, uh, but they only surrendered one sack, and the secondary was tested early and often in this game against a quarterback who just didn't make really many mistakes in this one. Um, He didn't get a lot of help from his receivers, though. I believe I saw seven drops in this game. And, you know, it's, it's a question of, like, what do you consider a success against an offense this good? Troy Franklin got behind you um, on one particular snap, burned you deep, which we all kind of knew was coming. That he was going to get free at some point. It looked like Tim Dritter adjusted coverage wise to make sure somebody stayed over the top of Franklin. And by and large, the ball was distributed all over the yard for Oregon, but you didn't give up many explosive plays. And I think that's kind of living to uh, to play another down, just because you know I I, I would have liked to say that tech defensively, and this will be a theme overall should have been able to do more in some of these moments rather than just try to not break against Oregon, but you gave up 31 points in total and, you know, you kept Oregon in front of you. I mean, 8.2 per pass attempt is nothing to be, you know, lauding as this great passing attack for Oregon. They just, they took advantage of the fact you had to play softer coverage to protect in the back end. To me, these guys get a solid B minus. Um, why can't it be higher for me? It's because, again, they they largely didn't stop Bo Nicks. They just kept him in front, right? Like they didn't stop Oregon in any real w- uh, sense of the word in the passing attack. You know, you gave up 359 yards and two TDs. Bo Nix basically, I mean, he had 12 incompletions. And like I said, I think seven of them were drops. So, you know, your your secondary really wasn't, much of an impact in terms of breaking up or slowing down this passing attack, but they forced Oregon to be extremely efficient, um, as opposed to just big play and explosive. Unfortunately for Texas Tech, Oregon was extremely efficient in this ball game, and especially in that third quarter, just kind of uh, controlled the entirety of the of the uh, of the. T- Time of possession for large stretches of this game. Fortunately for Tech, like I said, you know you didn't give up many explosive plays. You did get a couple of stops, and that's all you could ask for. Uh, I just, I, I would hope, and you know, against some of the worst pass attacks we're going to face, that we're able to do more than kind of just let them throw underneath us for five to ten yards at a time and start actually trying to take away the passing attack. Um, we're going to talk about the defensive line though, but a lot of what happened there is the result of the defensive line's kind of inability to, to really impact Bo and significant ways um so but we're going to start before we get to the defensive line we got to talk linebackers this group is banged up jacob rodriguez is out you're starting a lot of young guys most notably ben roberts he would record your only sack in this game joe this linebacker group is easily the biggest question mark on this defense um, from the offseason. season there's a lot of question marks around them still considering the injuries considering the youth and inexperience what do you see from your linebacker group what do you like how do you think they grade out
2: um I saw I saw Ben Roberts kind of grow in front of my eyes I mean if you think about the position and situation he was thrown into you know he wasn't expecting to get a whole lot of playing time this year um but you know just as as fortune would have it you know with our one of our highest questionable groups going into the year we're hit with an injury bug there and you know we are forced to bring some one of these younger guys in. And I, I think Ben Roberts held his own pretty well, you know, given the circumstances and the situation he's been put in, especially against such a high-powered offense, such as the Oregon Ducks that were coming in, you know, right after scoring 81 points, because that's tough at, at any level, even if they were playing a Portland State. 81 points is 81 points. And for him to get thrown into the fire essentially like that, he held he held his own. He had quite a bit of tackles. His name was called the, on a handful of times. He was in on plays and in on stops. I mean, he was flying around, and he just seems like he's getting more comfortable back there in that linebacker position, along with Josiah. And Josiah is just doing things that Josiah Pierre does. He was a he was a good linebacker last year for us, and he's just as good as it as it comes this year, um, leading the team in tackles, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, he's just playing up to his abilities. You know, it's just. It, it is still one of our least, least experienced groups, you know, as we've all talked about plenty of times. But Ben Roberts showed me some things, and I think he's just going to, you know, continue to grow. And the more reps he sees, the more the first-team reps he sees, the more in-game minutes he sees, I think he's going to come in and fill that spot just well. I mean, because I didn't see really any other linebackers in there, you know, giving him some wind, like uh, Tyreek Matthews was in there, <clears throat> excuse me, a handful of times and things like that, but I didn't see any other guys. Um, the Smith kid was in there, made some plays as well. But as far as the linebacking core, you know, given the circumstances of the situation they were put in, um, I'm not going to give them like a, a failing grade, but I mean, I'm going to give it a solid C plus. I mean, it could have been a B. And given, like I said, given what what they have there in that group position group, I mean, they're doing pretty well. And like I said, they've they took steps forward from Wyoming into Oregon with a better better offense that they were facing. And, you know, they held their own. And to Jack's point, I mean, we were we were in the game. You know, the defense did enough to hold us into that game. And that includes that linebacking court that we that we brought out.
0: You gotta like a young guy making an impact. I think Joe McGuire talked about Ben Roberts saying um, basically that he thought that obviously there were some issues with maybe some of his dis, uh, decision-making, some of his alignments, some of the communication, but that the pure instincts are there, that the athleticism there, that the raw ability is there. Um, and that's, that at this stage in his career, that's really what you want to see is it, a guy who's been forced in kind of a tough situation and is not, overwhelmed by it you're not going to get perfection from a guy that young but you want someone who's really going to come in and be able to kind of impact the game he's going to make mistakes but nothing too backbreaking, and he's going to be able to help you out so i think i think that's a fair grade for the linebacker group you know you want this group to be more involved overall you just do you want you tech has had so many good linebackers the last several years it's kind of unusual to have some issues with this group at all But, you know, with Jacob Rodriguez out, it was heartening to see that they were able to contain Oregon in a lot of ways. You know, when I look at rushing attack, I largely attribute this to the linebackers. You gave up 113 yards and really for for, uh, you know, a lot of the yardage came on Bo scrambles. And the longest run you allowed of the day was 16 yards. So, you know, I I that one to the secondary coming down playing hard and run support, but the linebackers did their jobs. They they kept everything in front of them. Yeah. You'd like to see contain kept a little bit better. Yeah. You'd like to see a little bit more pressure from these guys and just some better, uh, more impact plays. But overall, I'm not going to be disappointed with a linebacker group that is really shorthanded and was really tested performing as they did. You want a bit more, but you know, I I think it is heartening that Ben Roberts probably is really only going to get better you know, that, that's something significant. Now, we got to talk about a group that has been a letdown, quite frankly, which is the defensive line. Um, the defensive line came in, billed as you had, uh, Hutchinson, Bradford in the middle. Those guys are real disruptive, real great at holding up to the point of attack. Steve Linton was billed as kind of the next Tyree Wilson. Um, but overall, they really, Miles Cole was another guy. I guess technically he plays him and Linton are more like, you know, outside linebackers. But considering Tech walks them up to the line most of the time, I think them as uh, uh, kind of a defensive line stand-up ends. You're not getting anything from these guys right now in pass rush. You just really aren't. Uh, I think it's a question Joey McGuire actually talked about, that they're impacting games, this being Cole and Linton, but they're not impacting games. You know, like they're, they're just kind of there they playing sound football, but they're not making the plays that we need these guys to make. So Jack, I'm going to go to you. Like I said, the run defense has been largely very good and against a good, pretty good Oregon rushing attack. You contained it. You contained their backs pretty much entirely. However, no real impact in the passing game for a lot of this and quite a few instances of loss of contain. Where are you grading this group out?
1: Well, I think you got to take, everything into consideration here you mentioned it Uh, the run defense has been outstanding if you would have told me coming into the before the Oregon game that they would rush 31 times for 113 yards I'd have been all over that and I still am the rush defense was fantastic the pass rush I think you nailed it has been super disappointing um, and I and I know that Tim DeRuiter talked about it in his presser this week. He said that they're just not making the plays, and it's the truth. Yeah, you can play sound football, but this defense, the way it's schemed up, is there for, pe- for playmakers to make plays, and it's supposed to be like that on both sides of the ball, and that's what lures people to play here. That's why people are jumping in the portal to come to Tech, and the... Scheme is there. It's worked. We saw it work last year. We saw it work the year before that. Um, Colin Schooler made a living off tackling people. And this defense put him in the position to have 148 tackles or however many tackles he had uh, his last year. The scheme is there, and... It's and I and I don't like just dogging on people necessarily, but something has to change uh, from this pass rush. And um, you know, Joe mentioned you have one sack, but that's from that's from Ben Roberts. And Ben Roberts had two tackles for loss, which was you know more than anyone else had. And I think that. This I make it. I just think you nailed it on the head. You know, this is this is a team. This is a group that was built to be better than it was a year before, and it just really hasn't been. Um, it has been in the rush a little bit, um, but for what they've done or how they've progressed in the rush, they've regressed in past rush, and so. I it, it's, it hurts to, to grade this way. I, I think I give him a C plus, And if it was based purely on rushing defense, it would be an A, just because of how well they shut down Bucky Irving. But the pass rush is just non-existent. Bo Nix was scrambling around. He was doing whatever the hell he wanted back there. And I don't think that was necessarily because of a great pass pro. From their O line. I, I, being at that game and I, and Joe and I kind of touch on this, uh, when we were talking about it afterwards, you know, we weren't, we were really weren't impressed with their, with their pass, uh, protection or really, I really, myself, yeah, was it, was it fun to see Bo Nicks run around and make plays? Yes. I've seen better players play in that stadium. And so, Personally, I give them a c plus again for how much they've progressed in the run defense they've regressed just as much in the pass rush, which is uh i guess in a word disappointing
0: it's if we're going to be harder on the secondary like I was, you also have to be harder on a group that plays a big role in how the secondary is attacked. I thought that the coverage had issues. I also think that if you can't really force a quarterback off his spot and really impact them and i think you kind of spoke to this jack but and i i mentioned it a little bit earlier but like oregon fans aren't that happy with their offensive line to be frank especially considering yeah like bucky irving was non-existent this football game right and that is not a a, a an easy thing for them to deal with right like this is a guy who is going to put up a lot of yards and pack to world action and he averaged three and a half a carry. For 38 yards, had one rush of nine yards, right? Like that's that's kind of insane to think about, right? Like outside that run, one rush, he averaged 2.7 a carry. So they're not happy with their offensive line. That's in rush protect, that's in rush blocking and pass blocking. They're not really happy with them either. And that's something that they kind of talked about coming into the year being a concern with all the talent being replaced on their offensive line. But you didn't make Bo Nix really sweat. And that allowed him to sit back and really come after your secondary. And that's part of the problem is Tim DeRuiter kind of bracketed what Oregon was doing, I think, offensively to keep everything in front. But it's impossible to be perfect in pass coverage for as long as these guys have to throw and you're not really keeping contained. Look, Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford, everything they've been built to be in terms of run stopping, but you're not getting what you need to from Steve Linton and Miles Cole. You just aren't. Steve Lynn in particular has, I don't want to beat up on a kid who's really not doing anything wrong, but it's been a letdown, right? Like, he came in with all of this hype, and there's just not the impact on the game you want to see. I still think he could do it, right? Like, I think he's still scratching the surface of the potential, and so is the rest of this defensive line. But they, they've they got to be able to impact the game from rush. You guys remember a few years ago when Tech couldn't touch the quarterback at all? You know, we were fine against run rush uh, attacks, but could not impact the quarterbacks, so the secondary just got picked apart. You saw that against Oregon, what happens when Bo Nix is comfortable. He was dialed in. He did not miss many throws. I mean, he really didn't miss many throws. He was as liable to hit a receiver who dropped it as he was to throw a bad ball. So, you want to force turnovers? You want to force... Um, uh, you want to force bad throws you want to force the offense off schedule it starts with the defensive line getting some push and they're just not really living up to that billing so i think your grade is very fair there and it, it speaks to the fact that yeah like if we're going to be critical of the secondary of the linebackers we got to be critical of what is supposed to be the strength of this team which is the defensive line you know this is supposed to be our best unit and they aren't bad by any stretch but it, it's kind of Meh. you know, like they're, they're doing some things very, very well. And other things, they just not, it's not like they're phoning it in. It's just, they just can't seem to get it going to get to the quarterback. Um, Wyoming was another example, you know, not much pressure generating that game. And then they missed a lot of sacks that they had dead to rights. Right. So this is a, this is a multi-game problem now at this point, hopefully in a game in which they'll be vastly superior in terms of strength power speed everything they can get some sacks start seeing that number go up and get some feel for how to finish those plays because i think you know the secondary has to work on uh, uh communication avoiding busts. the linebacker group just needs more experience the defensive line needs to see sacks happen. I think that's the biggest thing. They need this game against Tarleton to see these sacks happening. And then they'll start to get in their head how to finish these plays. And then you'll see these numbers creep into two, three range, which is where they should be. And then I think you'll see the turnovers start to come up too, right? Like that'll force more turnovers if you're bringing more pressure and impacting more plays. Now let's talk about Tim DeRuiter because we do grade the offensive coordinators just like we, and defensive coordinator, just like we grade the position groups. Coach DeRuiter up against his former team in Oregon. Very tough challenge Of Bo Nix leading the way on the offense. Bucky Irving, Franklin, guys who've talked about 30 points allowed. Um, 31, excuse me, in this game by the defense. I, I'm not certain there's a lot of complaints here about the key defensive coordinator's performance, but I'm going to go to you, Joe. How would you grade the game the defensive coordinator called?
2: I'd give it a B, a solid B. I mean, if you're looking at you know, coming off of how our defense looked against Wyoming at at points and times in a lot of part of that game. And then coming up against Oregon, you know, more power, firepower and things like that. I mean, we were in this game. We were, you know, firmly in this game. And we also did have a chance to win it um, before that interception there towards the end of the game. We were square in the middle. Our defense was Putting us in positions to win the game, Deruder called the game, made the adjustments needed. Um, but a lot of that isn't necessarily on Tim Deruder. A lot of it's on discipline between you know some of those those groups, and not bagging on our defensive line, not bagging on our linebackers or our defensive backs there. But you know they've they've failed to maintain their rushing lanes, and that's happened two games in a row. To where the quarterback sneaks out, and there's a couple of different plays out there where it was third and long, and Bo Nix just happened to, you know, weasel his way out of it, and you know, just scamper for ten to fifteen, you know, thus causing these these longer drives to happen, and these drives to, you know, instead of being off the field, they were they were drives that just got continued, um, ultimately turning into some points there. So I I would say a lot, Daruder uh, did a play or play called a a B it could have been better in some areas but a lot of that obviously you know he makes the plays the players have to go make the plays you know once that defense is called and I think he put them in the right position a majority of the times made the proper adjustments as the game went on and you know he 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 did what he could do and um, I'm just going to kind of just leave it at that I think I think he did okay. I mean, I don't say that it was the greatest performance ever from a defensive coordinator. He had our guys everywhere. But, you know, um, as far as him calling the game, uh, a B for me.
0: We're going to switch over to the offensive side of the ball now. And this is a little trickier because in more position groups, how do you consider the tight ends versus the receivers? So as for the ease of analysis, we are going to lump tight ends with, the receiving core, uh, the, I expect people will speak to that a little separately, but I think calling that one group will help speed us up a little bit. We're going to start with the receivers and tight ends, go to the offensive line, then work our way into the backfield. Ending with Zach Kitley. Jack, I'm going to go to you first. The Receiving group had a pretty decent game. There were a couple critical drops and some big moments, some issues with separation, but the tight ends, in particular Mason Tharp, really made a name for themselves. How do you grade this group out as a whole?
1: As a whole, I'd give it a B minus. A lot of guys were getting open in this one. I definitely could tell a difference between this game and Wyoming. And maybe it was just because of the fact that being there and you could see them run the routes in person and, and see the kind of game flow going on. Really glad that the tight ends were utilized in this game. I think it could be more but I'm taking what I can get to start out. Um, making You and I, I think, have been leading this charge for quite possibly at least 12 months, if not longer now, with the fact that the tight ends weren't used enough. And I think in this game you saw a preview of what could be if you go to them consistently, if you utilize just the overall sheer size of the tight ends, I think that there were a lot of play. I think I had on uh, my notes, I think I had about three to four missed wide-open receivers, receivers who ran their routes and were open and just were not seen. I also had a couple of poor throws on there, and I had – I think I had three drops here. So the drops – I don't like to make excuses, but the drops are going to happen. Someone will drop a pass in a game and it happened on both sides it happened for oregon it happened for tech but i think that a lot of guys did a lot of good with the opportunities they were given nothing really wowed me i didn't really i didn't really get the wow factor that much in this one from anyone in particular we kind of mentioned from other positions groups that it was just kind of a solid game and, not, you know, nothing bad, really. Um, just no wow factor for me, really. I, again, not trying to get greedy, but I still think that the tight ends could be used more. And I think that we're really starting to see who's going to get a majority of run. Uh, this year because there have been a lot of people that we talked about in the season preview that we would be, we would like to see on the field. Some of those guys haven't touched a blade of grass during a game situation. So, um, I'd give them a, I'd give them a B minus B B minus. I, I don't, uh, like I said, nothing really bad by any means. Uh, but nothing nothing really setting them apart and really taking over the game especially with the amount of times Tyler shuck dropped back i know that he ran off and scrambled a lot more than uh zach kitley probably would have hoped but uh i think that in this case you're talking about a quarterback that in my mind, at least, or from what I saw on Saturday was going through one possibly two reads, and if those weren't there, he was taken off, and there was no there was no way he was getting down to the third and fourth progression through his reads. so I think with that being said, the guys pretty much did everything they could do with the opportunity they were given, so I'd probably give him a b
0: Mason Tharp obviously had a fantastic game. I think this was easily um you know it's 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 not even a question this was his best receiving game as a red raider i don't know total yardage wise but the ball if it hit him in the hands he caught it he stuck to him you know like he made tough catches a lot of which were in traffic you know tyler Shuck, good or bad whatever you want to say he doesn't have enough zip on the ball a lot of the time to help his receivers find um a lot of separation So the fact that Mason Tharp was getting hit a lot of these throws and making tough grabs was something to see. And this is something Jack mentioned. We've been banging this drum for a while. The entire fan base has been banging this drum for a while to get these guys involved. As for the rest of the receivers, I think he kind of summed it up pretty well. It's not like anybody did something wrong, but other than really uh, the the Bradley TD where he did – there was a lot of contact on that play. I know why they didn't call it, but that was a hard release. I would have been shocked if that was called OPI. Also wouldn't have been shocked if it was DPI. They were just straight up make, running into each other like seven yards off the line of scrimmage. However, um, good, I think it was an okay no call considering just the sheer amount of talent. But other than that, I didn't necessarily... And a couple of uh, a couple of throws to Miles Price and Xavier White where they made a guy miss in space, there really wasn't anything to speak of with this receiving core. Um, Price had a great move on his TD. I do want to know, but they just, you're still not seeing the vertical threat that you want from this offense. You're still not seeing receivers get a tremendous amount of separation. And this is not helped by the offensive line, not necessarily being able to give Shuck enough time to work his progressions. But we saw instances of what I think can only be described as a, a, a coverage Forcing sacks right like these were coverage sacks just because there wasn't anywhere to go not all the time and Shuck certainly pulled the ball down and ran several times or maybe he didn't need to but i think the offense is just stuck a bit because these guys just aren't really shaking people off of them so we hope to continue to see this group develop they were good not great and i think we were kind of hoping for greatness from this receiving core considering the, the amount of talent returning the guys taking a step forward um a gentleman we still still haven't really seen anything from that shocked me is JJ Sparkman. You know, he, he, he's just been non-existent. Nehemiah Martinez, another guy, just really non-existent in these game plans. Um, And we hope to continue to see more from the tight end group. If you look at the distribution of touches, it's pretty thin, you know, you got a couple of tight ends getting touches, not many receivers, um, getting a lot of the touches are spread out between really four guys, right? Like there's just no other receivers really getting, Getting involved in this passing attack so we need we need to see some more from this group wasn't a bad night just was not necessarily a great night um for them and and i hope we see great from this group soon because you're going to play a lot of teams like oregon this year there are a lot of good football teams in the big 12 you're not going to have the advantage of size a lot of the time in terms of just or or raw speed a lot of the time you can't just uh, uh man up people and expect to win so i hope they continue to develop as route runners continue to get open and we keep working in the middle of the field that's where i think miles My- price Neymar martinez xavier white that's where those guys are most effective and that should help open things up for bradley for fungi for some of these guys on the perimeter who are looking to stretch the field vertically um, now we're going to talk about the offensive line before we get into the backfield joe let's talk O line how'd they do how'd they grade out surprisingly i think joey mcguire said caleb rogers had one of his best games but perhaps unsurprisingly monroe mills really struggled last of saturday night overall how did the group play and what did you see
2: overall i mean the group played pretty consistent i mean there was the caleb rogers which i mean to joey's point i mean he i don't remember him getting beat much if any and I mean, I was there at the game. I didn't see anything. I mean, it wasn't – if it did happen, it wasn't obviously as apparent as what happened to Monroe on the other side. So, I mean, grade-wise, they did give Shuck um, plenty of time on a handful of drives, and then there was times where, you know, Shuck got through one or two progressions, and then um, he took off, you know. He had – the offensive line gave up uh, in a total, I believe, four sacks on the evening. Um, but if you know, lack of discipline on Monroe Mills' side, and it's kind of hard, you know, he's he's been a he's a veteran guy, and for him to make some of those those mistakes that you know were costly, there it, it was really unfortunate for the, this tech offense. So, if I'm giving him a grade, I'm giving him a C. Um, nothing spectacular, nothing that jumped off the page. Um, they obviously, you know, we did have X amount of rushing yards. Um, on the game, which, you know, which was a step in the right direction. But the rushing also came from somebody not a running back. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to grade the offensive line whenever the person running the ball isn't, you know, that's not his job, essentially, a majority of the time. And, you know, um, we'll get to that whenever we get to the quarterbacks and the running backs and things like that. But I believe the offensive line kept you kept you upright for a majority of the time Um, But some of the discipline issues came back to haunt you on the offensive line. And I'm giving our offensive line group a C.
0: I'm not as harsh on this group as some, just because I think that what's going on in the running game is partially just by design. If you're not going to let Taj Brooks touch the ball, it's really hard to speak to the ground game. There's also plenty of times where I think there were coverage sacks more than true busts. But yeah, I think a C is a solid grade. We're not seeing enough out of him. I may even go C minus just because Monroe's mills killed you. I mean, that just killed you. He can't make the mistakes he was making over and over and over again. Um, Caleb Rogers, like I said, probably had a better game, Um, you know, but when one of your tackles is really off, it hurts you badly. Um, I saw a snapper, Rusty, just got blown straight off the ball into Shuck's pocket. Um, You know, they're, 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 they're not, I think, are they better than last year? Maybe a little and that's the problem. We need more from this group. We just do. And we, we, we need I don't know what's going on, why Taj Brooks can't see the ball, but I think some of it is Kitley doesn't trust this O-line to get consistent push. So we, we need more from them to get the ground game going. We just do. Um, now we're going to move into the backfield. I want to save the quarterback for last and talk about the running back real quick. We're not going to go deep on the running backs because here's reality. <laughs> There's not much to talk about in this group, right? Like you, you're talking about rushing for this team. Um, I think Willis had one carry. I believe he's listed as a running back and Taj Brooks had six. So, I mean, what are we supposed to say about their actual ground ability? I'm going to give him an A really. I think Taj Brooks pass protected phenomenally well. Um, this was easily his best game as pass uh, and pass pro. He lit up some Oregon free rushers and did a great job buying his quarterback time. That was all he was really asked to do were run outlet routes and be a uh, uh, a pass protection back. He did have a couple of catches on the night for uh, uh, 18 yards, little outlets. He made the most of some of them. He had that one big run for 35. That's where most of his rushing yards came from. Even if you take out 35 yards and give him five carries for 31, you're still talking about six yards to carry and only six touches. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Zach Kittley's problem is, but I have a really hard time saying that the running back did anything wrong when he was great at what he was asked to do and made the most of his limited touches. Uh, I would even find saying he gets an A+. I mean, really, what are you supposed to point at and be like, he screwed up here because he just didn't touch the ball. I mean, he he, he led blocked for Tyler Shuck far more often than he actually touch the ball as a running back. So like that AA plus, I mean, what are we, am I going to criticize a guy who did exactly what he was asked at the highest level? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just, I refuse to. So we're not going to spend any more time on that just because it's a waste of our time. Zach Hiltley has forgotten the running backs exist. So we kind of got to move along as well and help ourselves out with timing. So we're going to go to the quarterback of it all. And I think this will be the most in-depth part of our discussion because there's a lot of debate right now about what to do at quarterback. Do you continue to go with Shuck? How much is his fault? Uh, uh, it does. Why is his leg such a big factor of our game? Should they be as big of a factor as they are? what kind of problems are fixable, what problems aren't, what are offensive line or receivers' faults, what aren't. It's kind of a mess, and you never want to have a quarterback controversy at this point of the year. You want that sorted out in the spring, ideally, fall camp at the latest. We got ourselves a quarterback controversy. It is fair to say everybody's favorite player on every football team is the backup quarterback, but for good reason. Um, Baron Morton's extremely talented. Let's go to Jack with this one first. Before we grade Tyler Shuck, I want to ask, Just on premise, do you think that Shuck is as responsible for the offense's woes as he maybe gets credit for? Or do you think some of this blame should be shared way more with the receivers, the offensive line, and the coordinator than it is?
1: I wasn't sure after the first game, but I saw all four turnovers—well, almost five— Turnovers. Luckily, he got one of the fumbles back. Those were on him, 100%. These are turnovers that 60-year quarterbacks should not make, plain and simple. And I don't know if I'm necessarily going to say that Baron Morton would have done that much better but if you pull up the stats from this game shuck had 23 carries for 101 yards it's an average of 4.4 yards a carry uh you take away one of those and it goes to 22 carries for roughly 43 yards 22 carries for 43 yards. You take away that 58 yard run. So. I don't know why the legs are. That important to this. It, take away that 58 yard rush. I'm saying it doesn't, it doesn't really work. You're averaging what, maybe not even two yards per carry. So. You're right at one point nine. I mean, but I'll, I'll say this to answer your question. I'll say this: he was responsible for the four turnovers this past Saturday, and I was very shocked at some of the at some of the throws that were made, some of the decisions that were made, and on some of the plays, it was very apparent where that there were passing calls that were communicated into the huddle and Chuck saw something and he audible do a QB rush. And I saw at least twice where Zach Kittley threw his headset and his hat, just every, just ripped everything off his head and threw it on the ground twice at least where, and it was after quarterback sneaks or quarterback keepers. Um, definitely not pleased with his decision making and there there were great plays that he did he make great some great plays? Yes, um, I thought he underthrew a lot of balls, but I also there were some decisions and I think Joe can attest to this as well. there were some decisions that were made during this game that were just head scratchers. And it would be stuff that you'd expect almost from Baron Morton, a kid that really hasn't gotten a full season of run yet. And it was from your 6 year senior who's supposed to be, you know, this huge quality NFL quarterback. And some of the some of the decision makers were just straight up puzzling, just absolutely head scratching, and it left more questions than answers.
0: So this is a question I, a conversation I had in detail with the Oregon um, guys I talked to, and I have issues with the fact that we allowed Tyler Shuck to audible the damn offense, right? Like there are not many offensive coordinators in the country that give total control of their offense to a a a quarterback at all, let alone the level of control we've been told Shuck has, and I guarantee you. Chuck was calling his own name in a lot of these runs. I was having this conversation. So I tried all kinds of stuff to change the juju this week. I'm um, after Wyoming I did everything differently. Normally I wear tech gear. I didn't wear any. Um, normally I watch the games alone at home so that I can kind of just sit and enjoy the game quietly. I went to a watch party with my brother. Normally I don't drink. I even drank during the game in an attempt, just whatever I could to change the mojo. But I was sat at my brother's house and My younger brother was getting really frustrated by this because he's like, what are we seeing to keep calling this? And the thing that we talked about was just he's calling his own number. He's doing it. And against Orion, I think he did it way more often than he needed to. Um, And I I think that uh, obviously his legs are a big part of this game. But there has to be a serious conversation had this week about limiting his ability to audible calls, because I don't think he does a great job making adjustments a lot of the time. There are times where you want him to be able to. But at the same time, I have no issue with uh, uh the quarterback, you know, running a little uh, a snap, snap count action, looking to the sideline, getting a new call. Right. Like if Zach Hitley is going to not like the the adjustments he's seen, then make your own. Now, granted, if you do that, the defense adjusts, blah, blah, blah. I get all of that. However, um, I think there needs to be something done about this. I just, I think Shuck makes too many decisions with how he changes plays at the line to call his own number. And I think this is taking the ball out of Tajbrook's hands on occasion. Like, I'd love to know if the original call on that fourth and two was a quarterback power. That was just the dumbest play call I've ever seen. So I'd love to know who called it. Now, as for does the larger blame of the offense fall on his shoulders too much? I think so. Um, But the flip side of this is the turnovers were largely self-inflicted wounds. And I think especially considering the moments those turnovers happened, you you can't be a six-year senior and do that crap. And I think it is absolutely true. The offense does not hum as well with a quarterback who can't really seem to make timely decisions, who seems to float passes late over the middle, who seems to not quite have an understanding of what should be happening on the field. When should I do what? Where am I going with my reads? And for a six-year guy, those mistakes to me aren't tolerable. Is a lot of the blame on Kitley? Yes. Is Should there be blame on uh, uh, the offensive line and receivers? Yes. But, you know, you're QB1 of an offense that puts everything in your hands, and you're not really performing well. You deserve a lot of the blame for what's happening. I think Joe McGuire defending his quarterback in the press tells you that we're not going to see Morton anytime soon. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a dick, but don't tweet shit about how tough you are and step in the arena with me. Do your fucking job, you know? Like, don't, fans aren't going to like quarterbacks who don't play badly. You don't need to be tweeting stuff about how they're not in the arena, right? Like, come on. Come on! Don't pay attention to what's happening on Twitter. Watch some film, right? Like I, I, he, he, he wants it so bad. And there were moments of greatness in this game, but the stupid shit is just backbreaking. I'm going to give my grade first. All of us are going to give a quarterback grade here because it is the most controversial of all the position groups. I got to give him a C minus. You can't be responsible for three turnovers. I'm not the Hail Mary's the Hail Mary, but three turnovers. I mean. Maybe the one where uh, Bradley – maybe Bradley was supposed to break inside, but the ball was thrown so damn late. Who knows what was going on? The fumble was one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen a Red Raider quarterback commit. I mean, just what in the fuck was that? And the uh, the the pick six, not entirely his fault. I've talked about this, that I thought Tech should have let Oregon score, save the timeouts, gone for a touchdown instead and and generally allowed for a more comfortable drive. The protection clearly wasn't set right. Somebody got free. But you can see there's a picture of, I think it's uh, Miles Price or Xavier Waite sitting wide open in the middle of the field and Shuck never looks because he was looking to do too much. And that kind of sums it up. I don't think this is a lack of effort or preparation. I think he just tries to do too much and he overthinks the hell out of it. So C- minus for me, I, I can't, Reward a quarterback who didn't play badly per se for a lot of this game. In fact, made some great plays, some great reads, and some great throws. But you can't, three qu- turnovers will lose you pretty much every game for the rest of the year. That's reality. You lost this game because you had three turnovers and Oregon did not commit one. You know, they should have had the pick in the corner of the end zone. We'll, ju- let's just be clear here Malik Dunlap intercepted that. But three picks, you're going to lose the vast majority of your games. There are not many teams you're going to beat in a team like Oregon. No chance he beat him with three uh, with three turnovers. Like I said, Hail Mary's the Hail Mary, but C minus and Shuck has to play better. He will not be your starting quarterback for much longer. Joe, I'm going to go to you now. How do you grade out his performance?
2: I'm I'm firmly kind of where you're at. Um, maybe a C minus somewhere right there. Maybe a D plus in some some instances. And to everybody's point, you know, you're a six year quarterback. You've been in this. You've been. In these games, a lot of times, you can't be making some of these mistakes.
0: Plain and simple.
2: I mean, the fumble was a, was a joke. I mean, I, that was away from where we were sitting at the, in the stadium, so I didn't get a clear view of it. But, I mean, hell, he could have just fell on it the first time. Like, the first pickup, I mean, he tried to pick it up, and then he fumbled that, and then, you know, ultimately what happened, happened. Um, the interception there to, um, to where the Bradley situation was, again, my view was obstructed. I didn't actually see a clear view of that so I don't know if the if the ball was late if whatever the case may be I just I can't really speak on that but that's if you think of what everything that happened up into that interception and Jack could attest to this because he was in the stadium, how electric and how on fire it was right after that blocked um partially blocked punt everything was kind of going in our way and momentum was just, and that just popped the balloon. It just ultimately sucked all the air out of the stadium there. And it that was a backbreaking one. And to your point, um, making about the just letting them score, pocketing a timeout, you know, going for the score and you know, not having to, you know, essentially put everything on Shuck. I'm with you to that point of where he's overcomplicating things. Uh, Miles Price was the receiver wide open in the on midfield on that interception that was returned for a touchdown, and he never got a look, and it it sucks because you get you he catches that ball. There was not a person within five five yards of Miles Price, and we all knew what Miles Price could do in the open field. So who knows what would have happened after that point? Don't like playing the what if games, um, but you can't be you can't be making those mental mistakes you can't be doing it, it there's just you can't these are how you lose your job and if you were in the NFL and you made these kind of mistakes 2 weeks in to the season what's happening you're getting benched because they they have zero trust in you moving forward i think he has a little bit too much control over our offense and that those reins need to be pulled back a little bit and just let all of that fall into kitley but some things need to change there. C C minus, D plus, somewhere right in there. It wasn't a great performance. He made um a lot of big throws. He made some plays with his feet, but all his negatives kind of outweigh all of the positives he had in that game.
0: Yeah, I I think you kind of said it best. It's just there just isn't a reason to me at this point. Well, I guess we're going to have the discussion about changing quarterbacks in a minute. So I think you spoke to some great points on that discussion. I'm going to let Jack grade it. And then I'll, I'll talk about the quarterback of it all the Baird Morton of it all briefly before grading Zach Kittley. So Jack, we talked a bit about where you stand after hearing all this, after considering where's your grade for Tyler Shuck.
1: D and I do count the pick because if you play a clean game with all those other turnovers, you don't have to make that throw for the hail Mary. So I count the hail Mary. Uh, Joe is absolutely right. The momentum in the stadium after that partially blocked punt was absurd. The stadium, I haven't, I haven't seen it or felt it like that in years, quite literally years. And, one play and gives it right back. I I couldn't have said it better. He popped the balloon. The air was sucked out of that stadium so fast. And it was something that you would expect to see in a junior high football game, but it was done on a college football field. So I respect the, we're going to call the Hail Mary what it is. I count the Hail Mary because if he plays a clean game up until then, he doesn't have to make that Hail Mary throw and it, have it get picked. Um, so I give it a D. It could have been five turnovers if he wasn't lucky enough that that first fumble he had bounced back to him while he was sitting on his ass on the field. So we're, we're really talking about uh, a possible game where your six-year quarterback turned the ball over five times. Uh, the opposing team had... 14 penalties for 124 yards or whatever, and you still lost the game by eight. Um, A lot of stupid decisions. And I think you both said it best. I think the, the negative far outweighs the positives here.
0: I would let the guys talk about Baron Morton versus Tyler Shuck a bit. And, I I think that is a valid discussion, but I think that's probably best served for when we have a bit more time. Uh, I'm probably actually going to task somebody to write an article about that point, just as a spoiler, if I don't do it myself, because we just, I don't want to do that discussion disservice and, in fact, we may spend a good chunk of our next podcast, which would ordinarily look ahead, but it's Tarleton State, and I just can't be bothered to really care about them. So we may spend a good chunk of our next podcast discussing the key to the game being, who do you start at quarterback? So we're, we're, we're going to move past that discussion. If you're not picking up what's kind of being put down here, though, we all are in consensus that Tyler Shuck has to be better or he will lose his job, regardless what happens this week heading into U of H um, you know, because I don't expect this team to struggle. Please God, don't let them struggle against Tarleton. Um, but we are in a position where you cannot have a six year guy doing the things he's doing. It's it just, as reality. You will lose every game. If he turns the ball over two to three times a game, you just, you're going to lose every game. That's everybody will beat you, including Tarleton state. They'll be right with you. If you turn the ball over two to three times. And for a team that prides itself on four, seen takeaways it's just unacceptable and the momentum of it all is i think is what jack and joe both spoke to is perhaps the biggest point i was tweeting how much momentum tech had at certain moments and then he'd commit a turnover like like the second i'd hit sent, he'd commit one of these turnovers and you can't you just you beat organ if shuck gets out of his own way on some of those plays you do he doesn't fumble that ball i think you score or pick up at least three points there it would have been if he throws it away which is what he should have done when there was a, clearly some sort of bust on the route, clearly a bust in the protection. Throw the fucking ball away, live to play again. It's second and 10 at the 13, I believe. You're telling me we we couldn't have picked up that first down, scored? If nothing else, that's a gimme field goal, even with the struggles we've had at kicker. So look, we're going to have the discussion about Shuck and Morton. I don't want to have it right now just because we need to close this out before this run's too long. But it is a fair discussion to have. Anybody who's shooting you down on this discussion is out of their minds because it should be had right now. And it isn't being mean to QB 12 to say he has to play better because maybe Baron Morton's not the better quarterback, but if we're going to have two guys do something terrible, I'd rather the guy who will inherit the offense next year, start getting reps now and start improving now, because if we've got a six year senior who's not going to get any better and is going to do the same things. There's no advantage to it, but we'll have that discussion another day. Let's move to Zach Kittley. Joe, I'm going to go to you first. We're running a little bit low on time so I'll, I'll let you give your grade and then kind of bring us to a close here Zach Kitley did a lot of the things the fans asked for the tight ends were a lot more involved we saw a lot more routes to middle of the field um we didn't see many run plays called at all but the power scheme that hasn't worked for a year since the start of 2022 through wyoming wasn't apparent in this game uh, maybe some of that is because shuck was checking to call his own name on those runs but were you grading out the offensive coordinator in a game in which I think he really had a lot to prove?
2: Um, I'm firmly at a C. Um, just he did make the adjustments to get certain said groups involved, except for the major one. You know, if I told you guys right now that right now rushing attempts, or if I told you guys before the year this is how it's going to play out, tell me if you would believe me that. Tyler Shuck has 38 rushing attempts to the culmination or the, the all three cumulative rushing attempts between Valdez, Donnell, Xavier White, and Taj Brooks, and Shuck's got them beat by 20 rushing attempts. Would you all have believed me if that was said prior to the season starting?
0: Hell no, right? Like, you, just, nobody would have predicted it, and nobody should have. Never should have seen it.
2: So given that, you know, it's kind of hard for me because last year around this time, um, Taj Brooks in the second game of the season had 17 carries alone in one game against Houston. And he has 18 carries on the season in two games. Um, And I get it. I don't know what Tyler's doing and I don't want to, put a lot of this on kitley i don't want to put a lot of it on tyler but there's obviously some kind of miscommunication there and to jack's point i didn't actually see kitley rip off his headset or his hat or anything like that but if it was happening when it was happening so that means that obviously there's a miscommunication there at some point um who's at fault who's not at fault you know everybody's just going to be pointing fingers at each other um, but I did like the fact that we did get our tight ends involved, you know, that obviously opens a lot of things up around around the field, you know, rushing attempts through the quarterback, mostly now. Um, our tight ends got involved Our wide receivers did make some plays, but you know they we're still lacking on the receiver side of it, just as well as we're lacking behind the quarterback so. I I don't think it was great. I still think there's tons of work to do. But if there's a miscommunication between our quarterback and our offensive coordinator, I expect this to potentially be a trend moving forward.
0: I am as as critical as, of Zach Kitley as anybody. I mean that that's not a secret, you know. But I liked a decent amount of what happened in this football game. The problem is is that you're not. Um, you're not getting enough offensively in key moments, but it's really hard to be I mean, other than the offensive the 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 running back situation, it's hard to be mad about the game that was called, right? because I think a lot of the complaints we had were addressed in this football game, but then you get to the offensive running the the running game situation and it just makes no sense at all. It's just so hard to understand how the hell. That's being allowed to happen. I mean, it's just so hard to understand how the hell that's happening. Um, it's it's certainly, I think, true that uh, you know that we wanted to see the tight ends. We saw them more. We wanted to see those to the middles. We saw it more. We wanted to see an offense that was more competent, and we saw that. But I, without understanding. Really, who's calling these these the 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 QB powers and who's not handing the ball to Taj Brooks? It's difficult to fully grade this, but the running back situation is unacceptable. It's unacceptable to see it happen. It makes no sense at all to me. So I, I I wanted to give if you had fixed that, I think I could have confidently given Kitley probably a B because I thought he was a lot better in this game. But I got to give him a C plus just because you're not doing something that's fundamentally important for this offense, which is manufacturing any sort of run game. And so until I see that, it's really tough to be like, oh, I'm on his side because there's still so much dumb shit happening. I mean, I talked about it. The fourth and two was just just so not okay. You know, like that's not, that's just not Donovan Smith running that ball. So I I, I can't understand it. And I think that until we see Kitley make that adjustment, he's going to have a hard time getting a, uh, a a real good grade. I think that he was fine in this game, but you've got, got a, a, a lot of work to do in the ground game, just because it's, it's not acceptable to have Taj Brooks, who I think is probably your best offensive player, um, completely a non-factor and actually being part of the offense so i i think c plus is fair i understand people who were happier with what they saw um i i think there's a lot to be said for the improvement in the offense but there's a lot of work still to be done and i think that's a bit disheartening to say the least that we still can't seem to figure out how to handle the ground game um, that's going to bring us to the end of our show though we'll be back probably tomorrow with another episode of the cotton club crew to talk about looking at the Tarleton state and probably talk about the quarterbacks as well. in some capacity, we're going to have the discussion about the quarterback position and how this should be handled as well as maybe some ways to help get the ground game going. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Feel free to like, subscribe, follow whatever you do and whatever major podcasting platform, feel free to DM us, leave a comment, whatever the case may be to give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you think we're not talking about, feel free to let us know. So we will catch you guys tomorrow. We'll see you again after that, most likely after the Tarleton State game. We probably won't record Thursday. We might. We'll, we'll kind of see how it's going. It's a bit of a lighter week with a lighter opponent on deck, a one that we just don't have a lot for, and one that I don't really want to think about us losing or being really competitive with. So we'll see. Talk to you guys later. Rekham, enjoy the rest of your week.